Hey, Ketonians, in case you hadn't heard, Carl and Richard from the Two Keto Dudes podcast, along with a bunch of their keto friends, are going to make history by turning the U.S. town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic for the weekend of July 15th and 16th. Keto Fest promises to be not only educational, but a whole lot of fun. Jimmy's Fasting Talk co-host, Megan Ramos, and Jimmy will be speaking as part of this event, along with Eric Westman, Jeff Gerber, Ivor Cummins, and a bunch of other great keto thought leaders. In addition to these great talks, they're having an outdoor keto barbecue with a pig picking, live music, walking, running, and cycle tours, and cooking and fitness lessons. They've got the local restaurants and the mayor on board as well. New London in July is a popular destination, so you need to nail down your hotel room and get your tickets as soon as possible. Tickets are on sale now at KetoFest.com. That's KetoFest.com. They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. Fat is smart fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code JimmyLovesFBomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. JimmyLovesFBomb.com. Coming up in episode 1264, Karen Thompson. Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place. You're listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world. This is the longest running health podcast on the air today. You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters. Over 1,000 episodes strong and counting. The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable. And now, here's our host and international best-selling author you're like the LL Cool J of podcasting Jimmy Moore Today's featured audio is from the 2016 Low Carb USA Conference that took place in San Diego, California. Go to lowcarbusa.org to get more information about this year's event coming up August 3rd through the 6th, 2017. Hi everybody, my name is Karen and I'm a sugar addict. And I know that may sound strange to many of you, but I'm going to take you through the journey of my life and explain to you exactly how I came to that conclusion. So as all stories start, um, they start in childhood. And I'm going to just talk you through my family and, and how I grew up and just give you a little bit of insight in, into my life. Um, my family, so that's my mom at the back and my gran and her brother Andre who died from a drug overdose. And that's my dad having a good old dance on the side. Um, and as some of you may identify, my grandfather was Professor Christian Barnard. And he did the first heart transplant in Cape Town, South Africa. And I say that because it kind of gives me some validity. It's like an instant resume, <laughs> you know, her, her grandfather was Chris Barnard. So from a very early age, my standard of beauty, I mean, there he is with Sophia Loren and 
Princess Grace, my standard of beauty was set to a very high level. And I started noticing that what you look like is way more important to, to being clever or being um, a great person. So I started making my dream to be really beautiful and, and, and to, to get external affirmation to make me feel good inside. Um, my mum, uh, she wrote a book as well called Fat Fame and Life with Father, where she talks about the successes and losses that befell the Barnard family and the heartless intrusion into privacy that were the flip side of fame about bereavement and true friendship and sustaining power of family. And that pretty much sums up how I grew up. So from the age of, I can remember, about four, when my uncle died, there was a massive trauma in my life. And I often, because we have an addiction treatment center, trauma plays such a massive role in, in, the, in addiction starting to manifest in a person's life. And when my uncle died, my two primary caregivers, my gran and my mum, they withdrew from my life and I was left alone and I didn't know how to deal with anything. And I started looking for external substances to deal with this internal loneliness. And my dad was a pretty stable force in my life and he worked full time. So he would come home at night with a Coca-Cola and a flake. So a flake is, a, is just a, like a chocolate, right? And when he arrived home, I would feel safe and secure and loved. So from a young age, these substances started having so much more meaning than just food to me. So sugar equaled love and affection. And I opened Coca-Cola and I opened happiness. And that's their marketing logo, right? And I opened love and comfort and joy and security and safety. So my drugs of choice from the age of two until 14 when I moved on to bigger and better things was a Coca-Cola and a flake and it comforted me, it really, really did. So from a young age, I started soothing by finding external fixes. Having sugar calmed me down, emotionally it calmed me down. I associated the sweet taste of chocolate and Coca-Cola with feelings of love and happiness. And I restricted my food intake as a means of exerting control over my body because I could control nothing outside of myself. And that is what sugar did for me. I started modeling at the age of 16, hideous industry for anybody who has a daughter or anybody who's been in it. And I chose an industry that played into this immense low self-esteem that I had, this belief that I was not good enough, that nothing that I did was good enough. Because you go, you're in the modeling industry and you go to castings and you go to one and your nose is too big and you go to the next one and your nose is too small. And then you go to the next one, your legs are too short and the next one you're too tall. So you're never good enough. And I chose this industry to reinforce this limiting self-beliefs that I had about myself. Um, and that's me in my modeling days. Uh, you know, the top picture of me in a black bikini. I felt fat. I thought if I could lose at least another 10 pounds, then I will finally be able to love and accept myself as I am. And I lost the 10 pounds and I didn't love and accept myself as I am. You know, and we place so much emphasis on our external appearance appearance and and so little on what what goes on inside and i got stuck in this immense cycle of guilt st 
starving and binging and guilt and starving and binging. And it took over my life. So caution, this does not have the capacity to measure your worth. Ladies, share this with your daughters and your boys even now because so many people are obsessed with what they look like. And then I met my next big love, and that was cocaine and alcohol. And I became addicted to cocaine and alcohol at the age of 16. And cocaine, I still remember the first time I had a line of coke, and I felt beautiful. For the first time in my life, I felt that I was good enough. I felt that I was confident that I could conquer the world. Whereas before, I'd never felt like that. So this became my dear friend, um, and I lost a lot along the way. And that's me at the age of 24. So, so, so underweight. Uh, I would do a lot of cocaine to keep my weight down. Then I would drink because it made me feel too hyped up. And then I would do more coke because then I felt too out of control. And then I would take a Valium so that I could sleep. And then I would wake up and I would binge on sugar. And that was my life. This constant cycle of getting and using and finding ways and means to get and use more and more and more. And I'm an addict. So it didn't matter what the substance was. It was that I needed something to light up my brain and give me that dopamine release so that I could feel good. So at the age of 24, I woke up one morning and I was I felt like an empty shell and it had been coming along for a while. But this morning I woke up and at the age of 24, I woke up and I decided, I don't know if I can face this life as it is anymore. I don't know if I want to go on being the person that I am. And that day I either had to choose life or death. I was too scared to take my own life. So at the age of 24, after losing my will to live, my parents booked me into a rehab center. All right. And it was the toughest nine months of my life. I booked into a rehab center for my cocaine and cocaine addiction and alcoholism because obviously sugar is not illegal. Um, and it was so embarrassing for my parents that I was a cocaine addict because I'm supposed to come from this amazing family and these clever people. And I demanded to nothing. I had dreams of becoming a doctor, a surgeon. And when I went into rehab, those dreams lay shattered in my past. And I had no vision for my future, nothing whatsoever. So I stayed in rehab for nine months. And this year, I celebrate 12 years of recovery from cocaine. And alcohol. <laughs> but little did I know that my journey had just started. Right, Because in treatment, once we had gotten rid of the cocaine and the alcohol, my counselor established that my primary addiction was an eating disorder, which had been with me since the age of four. So I knew there was still something missing. And my dietitian in treatment had said to me, you know what? We need to moderate your eating. If you have one Coca-Cola and a flake and a bag of chips today, that's really good. Because being an anorexic, if we can feed you these, these foods and, and you're okay, this is progress, right? The problem was it wasn't for me. I was still soothing myself by using these external substances, now sugar, to make me feel different, to make me feel better. And skipping meals and eating too much sugar takes you on a blood sugar roller coaster. And I can promise you, they could have diagnosed me with a mood disorder because when my blood sugar dropped... 
the sugar monster appeared. And I was a nightmare to do with. So I was constantly fluxing between high blood sugar, low blood sugar, trying to get it up again, spiking it up and down and up and down. And it was an absolute disaster. And then I started thinking, you know what? How many teaspoons of sugar am I actually eating every day with my low-fat model diet? So I was having two Coca-Colas. I was having coffee with low-fat milk, two teaspoons of sugar, and a bran muffin with margarine because that's good, right? And then I would go through the day at Varsity and pick on some things and have a bowl of pesto pasta at night, just one cup. You know, with the reduced oil pesto that you can get. And it turned out that in just those little low-fat meals, I was having 26 teaspoons of added sugar. 26. Now, depending who you ask, the daily recommended intake of sugar is between 5 and 9 teaspoons, depending if you're male or female. And I was having 26. And so I had to start facing the facts in my life, which is number one. I was eating way more sugar than we were designed to eat. I'm an addict. I'm genetically predisposed to become addicted to certain things. And once that triggers switches, there's no going back for me. For me, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. I can't have a chocolate in my bag and be like, oh, one block, put it away. Three weeks later, oh, look at this chocolate. That chocolate calls my name until I pick it up and I finish it. Number three, anyone with a compromised system cannot afford the following to be off balance. And it's not just anyone with a compromised system, it's pretty much anyone, right? And I wanted to lose weight after having two kids. I don't know how many of you have had kids in here. Number one comes out and you kind of go back to being you. And then number two comes out and it's like somebody stole your body and ran away with it. So I was struggling to lose weight after my second child. And I tried so many different diets. And these are just a few of them. My favorite being the grape diet where you freeze the grapes and you suck on them every hour or so. Um, anyways, I've tried many diets. I know what it feels like to diet. So I needed to find a different solution. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Do you miss pizza because it's not a part of your low-carb lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to Real Good Pizza Company. Go to realgoodpizzaco.com and you'll see they have grain-free, gluten-free pizzas that are frozen, 25 grams of protein, 4 grams of carbohydrates, and lots and lots of healthy fats. They only use real food ingredients, almost no carbs, and it's perfect for any low-carb and ketogenic lifestyle. The crust is made from all-natural Parmesan and chicken. The chicken is antibiotic-free and hormone-free. The tomatoes in the sauce and the vegetables in the Supreme are non-GMO, and the cheese is locally sourced and all-natural as well. It's healthy, guilt-free pizza that actually tastes like a pizza. Again, it's called Real Good Pizza. Head on over to realgoodpizzaco.com and be sure to use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 10% off your order as well as free shipping. Real good pizza. 
America has a new favorite protein bar, and it's the chocolate chip cookie dough bar from Quest Nutrition. Each Quest bar contains 21 grams of protein, is packed with 14 grams of fiber, and has just one gram of sugar. Visit their website, questnutrition.com, to find their full selection of bars, shakes, chips, and more. And coming soon, don't miss the special keto line of products that have been under development for the past two years. Again, give them a try at questnutrition.com. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I really missed when I started this low-carb thing way back in 2004 was baked goods. You know, like a muffin. There's just something about that cake texture that's awesomely satisfying to hit the spot. But up until now, it's been off-limits on my low-carb, ketogenic lifestyle. So I was psyched a few weeks back when I first discovered a brand new product called Nush. That's Nush, kind of like Nosh, but with a U. Nush cakes are not like so much of the other low-carb stuff already out there, partly because of their wonderful cakey texture. They're not tough or dry or chewy. They're just really flavorful cakes. Nush cakes also happen to be certified organic, certified gluten-free, and super low in sugar and carbohydrates with just two to three net carbs per cake. The Nush people sent me samples of their flavors, including banana nut, lemon poppy seed, cocoa, and carrot spice. I liked the banana nut one the best, but I really like all of them, and I think you will too. Go to nushfoods.com and be sure to enter the coupon code JIMMY at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Again, that's nushfoods.com for the best tasting low-carb baked good you'll ever taste. Nush Foods. Sugar was my drug, and I realized that this was my primary addiction and with being with me for as long as I could remember. And it wasn't only a process addiction. It wasn't only an eating disorder where it's all about behavior. It was a chemical addiction as well because of the way it affected my brain. So I want to show you a short clip quickly. The man on the left is Kevin Chester. He's 5 foot 11 and weighs 115 kilos. On an average day, he eats a large bowl of Just Right, 500 ml of orange juice, a foot long Subway sub, one Boost Juice low fat berry smoothie, a cherry ripe, one medium pineapple chicken pizza with barbecue sauce, and a Paul's Just Natural banana honey milk. Oh, and sometimes an apple. The man on the right is me. I'm exactly six feet, weigh 75 kilos, and my day consists of a bowl of oats with natural yogurt and blueberries, a fresh smoothie with spinach, avocado and cucumber, two poached eggs with bacon, a bowl of pasta, some kind of salad with some fancy cheese in it, and a cup of tea with a splash of milk. Aren't I a healthy twat? There's been a lot of conflicting talk about sugar lately, a substance that has now become the dominant food item across the world. In fact, if you removed all the items containing sugar from a standard supermarket's shelves, roughly 10% of items would remain. If the average Australian family of four had to buy the sugar they are consuming, they would be going to the supermarket, taking six one kilo bags of sugar off the shelves, six, putting it in the trolley, taking it home, eating it all that week, then going back next week and doing it again. If we extracted only the sugar from all the items Kevin ate in a day, it would come to about 45 teaspoons. This is not much more than the average daily amount consumed by teenagers worldwide. 
And if we extracted the sugar from my daily food items, the count would come to about two teaspoons. What is the table sugar that's on our tables at home? What is it? Well, it's, it's a molecule, 50% glucose, 50% fructose, and it's joined with this bridge in the middle, fructose. We think that this is the chemical that causes harm. People say, well, hang on, fructose is in fruit. Isn't that healthy? And yes, it is, as long as it's in the fruit and you're eating the fruit in its original packaging. Sugar in food is the single biggest driver of global obesity and global diabetes. Awareness of the harm which is done from sugar and its addictive nature is up in these uh, ivory towers in academia. And really, the message needs to be taken to the streets. I think it's time we took a closer look at what sugar actually does <coughs> once it enters the body. As sugar enters the body, it reaches the intestine and is split into glucose and fructose. Now the glucose part is used as energy for cells all over the body. But the fructose goes directly to the liver where it's processed as fat. If you could personify sugar, mm -hmm. what traits do you think he or she would have? You know, it's, it's a pimp. <laughs> Some people think that Mr. Sugar hangs out only with the bright coloured snacks. But I've been spreading my crystals all over your food and the company's been hiding the facts. Dogs. That's why a spoonful of me helps the medicine go down. One of the big problems with sugar is that it's embedded in the food supply and it's highly addictive. It's like putting nicotine in everything. There's no doubt that the processed food industry is taking exactly the same approach on sugar that the tobacco industry took on tobacco. Sugar will screw up your life, but more importantly, it'll screw up your kids' lives. That's why not only must this film be made, but it must appear in every school library in every country in the world. So that's from that sugar film, and if you haven't yet seen it, go and get it. It's absolutely amazing. So sugar was my pimp, and the gas station was my dealer. Because I could go in there at any time, nobody would judge me, and I could fill up and stock up and sit in my car and eat secretly and hide the wrappers under the seat, who can relate, and put them in the bin. And that's what I did. My behavior with sugar was the same as with cocaine and alcohol. So moral of that story, don't buy your food when you buy your gasoline. And the day my life in recovery truly started was when I saw Professor Tim Noakes on a South African TV program called Carte Blanche, and he mentioned the words sugar and addiction in the same sentence. And I just knew that this was real. Working in addiction and having had an addiction treatment center for the last eight years, we realized that there is something else going on here. People don't switch to binging on broccoli. They don't switch to anything. They don't switch to something which doesn't give them the same dopamine response that, that their drug of choice does. So how did I become sugar-free physically? 
I've started following the Ducan diet because I suffered from lipophobia and Prof Noakes finally, you know, he just set me right and said, look, dude, it's not high protein. It's high fat, moderate protein, low carb. And this is so important because it's one of the big things we have when we start the program. Um, and, and that's, that's how I did it physically and emotionally because this was the biggest part for me. This is why people can't just stop. Some people can. But there are other people who just cannot stop and it's because emotionally they need sugar to fill some kind of void within them. My emotional triggers, I had to look at my emotional triggers and find different ways to feed them that didn't involve food or sugar. I had to look at those childhood feeling memories and try and see which food represented what because often I would crave a food and through understanding which food was which feeling, I could then soothe the feeling. So I had to find ways to work with the disease of addiction that I have. And I started loving myself as I am. And you know, to me, that's probably the greatest thing. For a person who was an empty shell and didn't even know what she looked like when I looked in the mirror, to start loving and accepting myself, that was the greatest gift. And what does my recovery from sugar addiction look like? Very much the same as my recovery from other chemical substances. Complete abstinence from all types of sugar and sweet foods. A lifestyle change to low-carb healthy fat exercise, and the 12-step program, which has saved my life. I still work my program every day of my life. I believe I suffer from a disease. If I was a diabetic, I would take steps to make sure that my disease was in check. I need to do this for my addiction. So healthy living, about thinking positive, eating better, exercising often, and feeling good. So we started help the first inpatient sugar and carb addiction program in the world in 2012 with Professor Noakes, and it was amazing. We had some great success stories, people who lost a lot of weight. But you know what? It wasn't just about the weight. It was about them saying, I will not allow my weight or my body image to stop me from living my life. It's empowering people to start living again, to know that they have a choice to make a difference. Sugar-free families, those are my boys and those that is chocolate around their mouths because I'm a realist. We have a sugar-free home. There is no sugar there. When we're at home, we eat real food and they understand what that is. But when we go out, I also understand that there are times when they will be eating sugar. So it's about educating and it's about leading by example. So do you need to quit sugar? I'm sure most of you have. You know, do you crave sweet treats? Do you experience lethargy and mood swings as a result of blood glucose spikes and dips? Does your weight seesaw unmanageably and do you experience energy slumps? Because saying no to sugar could be saying yes to life. And it's that simple sometimes. So we're here at Low Carb USA and a massive congrats to Doug and Pam for pulling this off. When he called me, I was like, six months? You've got to be kidding, dude. This is insane. And look, we're all here. And we're sitting here with, with scientists and world leaders in this space who we can learn so much about. And then there are others of us who don't have these amazing degrees or brilliant minds. Well, not in the scientific sense anyway. And you may be wondering, well, what can I do to create change? What can I do to make a difference? And you know what we can do? We can be the change that we want to see around the world. By acting by example and by taking back our power, finding our voice and standing up for what we believe in, we can be part of the revolution Andreas was talking about. So I finish with this. My grandfather said, I saved the lives of 150 people through heart transplantations. If I had cared about preventative medicine earlier, I would have saved 150 million people. Thanks for letting me share.
Coming up next time on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show, we'll keep the 2016 Low Carb USA lectures going with Emily McGuire. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Livin' La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time. Disc of Light.